0: You're listening to the Live Happier Longer podcast, episode 30. Welcome to the Live Happier Longer podcast. We're your hosts, Molly Watts and
1: Angela McDade. We're here to help you build the habits of a happier, longer life
0: starting now. This episode is brought to you by the Five for Life Planner.
1: Or if it makes you feel better, it's Five for Life Planner
0: slash journal. <laughs> right. So you can go right now to fiveforlifeplanner.com and download a full PDF version of the Five for Life Planner slash journal.
1: Yeah. And the Five for Life Planner is a great tool to get you going and check off every day these daily actions. One move.
0: To learn,
1: three, share,
0: four, give,
1: and five, let go.
0: Mm. Five daily actions, all proven to increase longevity and improve overall quality of life and happiness. Yeah, so you can live happier longer. Yeah, check it out, fiveforlifeplanner.com, for your free PDF of the Five for Life Planner. Hey, Angela. Hey, Molly. How are you today? Not too bad. Yourself? Excellent. Happy International Women's Day. And back at you. Yeah, we are recording a little uh, unusual, not on a Tuesday for us, but mm-hmm. uh, seems appropriate, especially given our guest today. For sure. We have been very fortunate lately talking to some incredibly inspiring people. And Catherine Switzer, who is joining us today, is no exception. Yeah,
1: she is. She is definitely Up
0: there on the... (laughs) Inspiring level? Yes, for sure. She is an athlete, an author, a public speaker, broadcaster, journalist, philanthropist. And trailblazer for women. Absolutely. The very first woman to run in the Boston Marathon. Yes, indeed. Back in 1967. And then ran it again in 2017, 50 years later. Yeah. Again, something no one else has ever done, no woman has ever done. Without further ado, here is our conversation with Catherine Switzer. Hey, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Hey, Molly, hey, Angela, how are you? Oh, we are doing well. Yeah, we're great. It's a little, I gotta say, it's a little cloudy, a little gray here and cold. In Oregon, but you know, it's all right. It's it's winter or I guess it's almost spring. Well, it's supposed, right? to, be it's supposed spring. to be spring. Yeah. But it's not yet.
2: <laughs> I'm sending you greetings from New Zealand where it is sunny, absolutely beautiful and we're moving into late autumn. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah. it is.
0: I've, it's it's the upside down and I love that and I, New Zealand is on like the top of my bucket list. Yeah, for so sure. I really want to get there. Well, we just gave a brief introduction. I mean, I feel like I could have, <laughs> there's a quite a uh, list. And list. A li- yes, exactly. Yeah. Historical list of accomplishments that that you can say you not only were your personal accomplishments, but mm-hmm. then things that you've done that have definitely improved the course of women and female athletes yeah in your life. So let's start back at the beginning if we can. Yeah, start a little, at little at the bit. Start. <laughs> start at the start. And I love the fact that you were, I mean, you were at a very young age wanting to be a runner or wanting to run or wanting to be an athlete.
2: You know, I was 12 years old when my father said, um, you should run a mile a day if you want to make that field hockey team in your high school. And I was this skinny little girl who was insecure about going into a big high school. I was only 12. I was a year ahead of myself or a year ahead of everybody else or whatever. And um, prepubescent. And um, I was going into the adult world. And I think my father saw that I need something to hang on to. And he said, run a mile a day. You'll be a really good player. And in fact, I ran this mile a day and I did make the team. I became a very good player. But the, the point is, is this mile a day gave me a sense of my own body and my own capability, but and, and a sense of empowerment and fearlessness that stayed with me through just about everything I did. And and I, I'll never forget, you know, when when I w- was experiencing all these new um really assaults on my my mind and and uh, I, I really had then this victory under my belt every day from running that nobody could take away from me that was so powerful mm-hmm. and it stayed with me my whole life and it was mm-hmm. felt like magic then and it's I mean here I am I'm talking to you now I'm 72 and it's still magic
0: isn't that isn't that <laughs> fantastic yeah. yeah it's fantastic really? it's it's and you know I think that we've We've talked a lot on our podcast about habits and about uh, atomic habits and this, mm-hmm. this idea that it's those consistent activities that you do over time that really define your, yeah, your you life become. and define yeah. who you become. So you started at age 12, maybe not with the goal of being a marathon runner, but that's who you became because you took that consistent action day, you know, time and time and time again
2: absolutely and and i mean if if for instance the other things had been different for instance if women's hockey had been in the Olympic games. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would have aspired for something more but I was using the running to stay in shape for the hockey but then it was actually the running I loved the most and then as time went on I realized I wasn't going to have a field hockey team because mm-hmm. in, the, in the in the early 60s we didn't have those options and when I went to Syracuse University to study journalism I went there to write sports because um, uh, I knew that at least if I could write about something that I'm close to it would be like a lifelong love and I, I could always Run by myself, but it was there that I I, um, started working out with the men's cross country team, which was very unusual. They were wonderful guys, totally welcoming. I mean, this wouldn't have happened in football across, believe me. (laughs) Yeah, Um, and um, the um, uh, assistant coach who was out there took me under his wing. And uh, helped me with my running. And we started running longer and longer. And uh, he was an ex-marathoner. And I fell in love with the idea of going forever. I couldn't go fast. But I felt like I could go forever.
1: Yeah. that's And I think that's, that's the amazing thing about it. You know, back then, there wasn't the opportunity for women. But here you were. And you were totally supported by the men you, that you were running with. So it was kind of almost like... Why was there not all that for women? Because the men supported it. You know, you were doing it with them and they were, you know, they were quite happy for you to be there. You, you know, I really think that running is different. I think running
2: yeah. is, is a sport that is egalitarian, inclusive, um, motivational. We don't care about your gender or your income or your race mm-hmm. or religion. And um, I think these guys saw a young girl out there who was. Um, uh willing to try and they were Mm -hmm. very 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 supportive of that now my husband who's been a lifelong runner and was a world-class runner for both england and for new zealand said are you kidding if a dishy girl like you had showed up in shorts it wouldn't (laughs) been (laughs) hard well (laughs) that is also true <laughs> but be that as it may, they were motivational and were never patronizing. Mm-hmm. But it was Arnie, um, the volunteer coach, who actually was a university mailman, who ignited me to running a long. And he realized, you know, that he at 50 couldn't keep up with the boys in the cross country team anymore. Mm -hmm. And I could never as a female. But we realized that I could outrun them in distance because um, the longer it got, the better I got and the more uh, the closer we got. So if we go up for a 15 mile run, I was right with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so this was a very interesting awakening, which we're now discovering in terms of females, is that we have capability and endurance and stamina that men don't have. And this is changing the face of our sport in many ways and giving women the thrill of going out and doing marathons and ultras, winning, or being able just to go the distance and feel that same sense of victory um, and worthiness. And that is one reason why right now in the United States, Fifty-eight percent of all the
1: running yeah. web. Yeah, I yeah. just I just read that. It's amazing. Yeah,
2: it's and exciting. it's because
1: they do it and they do it well, mm-hmm. just by virtue of being
2: female. And I I joke. I say, hey, listen, ladies, you know you got a fuel source called fat, and you hate it, but it works. It, it gets <laughs> you. A- <laughs>
0: Although I gotta say, everybody, so you're you're quite slender, and I think people that run long distances. And we just we recently um, interviewed. I don't know if you've ever heard of or familiar with Sheree Grunfeld. She's a an Ironman champion, um, a world and and uh, is turning seventy five this year. So mm-hmm. she is, uh, you know, just an amazing. Again, like you, an amazing um, long distance athlete. And she said the same thing. Like she never was in it. She could never do the, those short distances, Mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the, the speed races from the very beginning. It was Mm -hmm. long distance for her.
1: Yeah. She just had one pace and (laughs) she would, she would run it for 13 miles or she would run it for 26. That was the pace. Yeah. Yeah. But what's great is when
2: you see women doing it for like 200 miles, I mean, there's this, Woman in in uh, Scotland or uh, England, and England and Scotland. I think that's how mm-hmm. long the run was, and and she won over great men champions by something like thirteen hours. Wow! Yeah. And they said, well, you know, how did you? you where did you sleep? I mean, you, you you such sleep deprivation and 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 distance and cold and everything. She said, listen, she stopped. She stopped at the aid stations where they get water and juice and stuff like that, and she ha- was nursing her baby. Okay. Oh <laughs> So,
0: wow. Well,
2: she said, listen, if you've had a baby, you're up all night, you're expert at sleep deprivation, your fat fuel source helps you. Um, and and you know, you, you have all this, this incredible strength from, from just having delivered. So, so we are now discovering, I mean, I know this program is about aging, okay, but we're also discovering a whole new thing with women's capabilities that that nature has provided us, but we have never had in the past the sports opportunities. To deliver and 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 take advantage or create those opportunities of, of uh, using our unique abilities mm-hmm. and the reason being Angela that when you said why didn't we have those opportunities before? well first of all you know people people didn't have the money or the leisure and and um and women didn't have frankly birth control mm-hmm. they, either, they had a lot of children, they had to manage a home, they didn't have washing machines, they didn't have refrigeration, so they didn't have time for sports, yeah,
1: they were so busy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Men, and men, too, for the most part. Mm-hmm. So,
2: so now, you know, the world is changing, and now it's opening up many, many new uh, physical possibilities, but also quite wondrous things that we're discovering yeah. about Earth. Yeah. Ag- aging is one of the greatest, though. I mean, mm-hmm. is, is how we age and how we can hopefully age better, um, more wisely, more optimistically, and, um, and, and, um, and healthily. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: without question. That's what we, as you know, that's what we we advocate all the time is that we are the people that control that, you know, we have the ways and the abilities to do that, um, not just through medicine, but it's really more about our, uh, the optimistic mindset, mm-hmm. you know, and how we conti- continually can grow as we age. It's not a, it's, and I think you're obviously are a vivid example of the fact that getting older doesn't mean that it's just a, a slow downhill. It's, absolutely, you absolutely. Just, you can keep improving and keep impacting people and keep impacting lives.
2: Yeah. You guys asked about the past. I'm going to quickly tell the the Boston mm-hmm. story, but Yeah. then I'm going to yeah. tell you an aging story right at the end of it, which okay. is I think everybody knows the story. We've seen the the pictures on the internet. Uh, a million times but um because my coach inspired me so much and he had been an ex-marathon runner um when I showed him in practice that I could run the marathon distance which he didn't believe any woman could uh, when I did it he was so <laughs> impressed and, and and admiring of me he helped me register for the Boston Marathon insisting I had to do it officially mm-hmm. um sent the entry form in because I signed my name K.V. Switzer. They, they thought that this was from a man. So I was given a bib, showed up at the race. The guys were wonderful. Uh, it was snowing and sleeting. The officials obviously couldn't tell me in my sweatsuit from all the guys in their sweatsuits. And a mile and a half into the race, the race director uh, saw that I was a woman in his race wearing a bib number, lost his temper, jumped off the press truck chased me down the street, grabbed me, and screamed, get the hell out of my race and give me those bib numbers, tried to pull them off of me. Um, a big tussle ensued. And my boyfriend who was running with me, who happened to be a 235 pound all football player, which is another story. But anyway, <laughs> he bounced the official out of the race instead. And I went on to finish. Yeah. So Making the decision to finish was probably the most important decision I ever made in my life. And I I think I could make that decision at 20 because I had had, you know, you know, a mile or three or 10 a day of running behind me that made me feel strong. And I said, stop, no matter what, you know, Mm -hmm. I have to do this for other women. And. And, of course, you know, in the course of a marathon, you you get a lot of ideas. And I knew by the time I finished the race that my life was going to change and I was going to need to create opportunities, which I did. Mm -hmm. But one of the journalists, angry journalists at the finish line, said to me, this is a one shot deal, right? I mean, you're not going to run a marathon anymore, right? And I just looked at him and I said, you know what? I mean, I must have been really feisty at 20.
1: (laughs) I think the fact that you're registered for the Boston Marathon when only men were registered, I would say you are feisty. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Um, I said to him, you know, someday you're going to read about a little old lady who's 80 years old who's dropped dead while running in Central Park. I said, that's going to be me. I said, I am running for the rest of my life. And um, I was just so. Uh, uh, uh. And you know what? I ha- I got to tell you, I have never had any doubt
0: that I would always be running. And and then I don't of- think you're going to be dropping dead at 80. No. I have I news for you. I don't think that's happening. But
2: Molly, it's the truth. I keep pushing that. I keep pushing that. um, That uh, age further. I'm saying. Yeah. But yes, not, exactly. I, well, now it's gone to a hundred.
0: <laughs> yes, I that now we're yeah. talking a little bit more about yeah. realistic. I think that um, you know, and I and I I believe that you will be running and continue that journey from now until then. Yeah. So, and thank you for sharing that uh, that brief recap of some a very monumental historical event for not only you but for women uh, mm-hmm. in general. It's something that looking back in hindsight, of course, mm-hmm. we can see very clearly that it was the, the first of something you know, of a very long yeah. journey to come in terms of, and take us through a little bit how, how that did, how that decision and how it did impact your life. And then as we moved towards 1984, you know, Olympic the women's marathon, marathon yeah. became the first time the women's had a marathon event in the LA Olympics.
2: Yes. You know, first of all, right after I finished the race, I mean, I was um, beloved by many people, but also hated by a lot of people. So, you know, you're pilloried, you know, um, but but you're also a celebrity in some ways. And uh, I threw away the hate mail, kept the good mail. And there were plenty of women who wrote to say, hey, if you would run in this race, I'd run with you. Um, But we had to really dig down and um, uh, legislate. took Mm -hmm. us five years, but we finally got official at the Boston marathon,
0: right? Mm
2: -hmm. That angry old official. And I became best of friends. So that's a nice story. That's awesome. Um, Again, another story. But then, um, I began turning my sights on what would, what would make women's running really happen because too many women were still afraid to take that first step. They thought the marathon was just really out there. And, um, I got the opportunity to create with Fred Lebow, who created the New York city marathon and Nina Cusick, the first ever women's road race in mm-hmm. New And we did it in New York in central park and 78 women showed up. It was called the crazy legs, mini marathon named after <laughs> the and um, it was huge. The success, the media was, was massive. Well, we 78 women was considered, you know, 5,000 now.
0: Yeah. Right.
2: And, um, then I, the light bulb went on. I realized if we could get into the Olympic Games, if we could prove to the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, that, that women could run and deserve to run these longer events, but I would have to demonstrate to them the event. Mm-hmm. And I went, I wrote a proposal, a big business proposal, and I took it to Avon Cosmetics, then the largest cosmetics company in the world and showed them a program I wanted to do globally because they were a multinational of organizing these races around the world and then proving to the Olympic committee that we had the international representation and the numbers and the performances. Mm -hmm. Right. Believe it or not, Avon loved the proposal and hired me. It was one of those moments like, Oh my God, I can't believe this has happened to me. I really had to dig down. I had at that point then to give up my own competitive running mm-hmm. I'd done well I'd won the New York City Marathon by that time I'd posted a 251 in Boston which was great then still pretty good,
1: it's still pretty um, good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, proving that if I could do it anybody could do it because I'm not a talented person I work really hard but I'm not talented and um, we organized a series of races and in five years we were already in 27 countries and, and, and now the program still exists in some countries but I mean we've had you know over 400 races over a million women in 27 countries but we had the data now to present to the IOC mm-hmm. and the IOC still said oh you know we're really worried about this the the medical evidence you know uh, that that you know yeah. your uterus is going to fall out you're going <laughs> to and and then what we did is we got some really good doctors who were runners who helped support us and showed in fact quite surprisingly that it's not the shot putter or the 100 meters that women are good at. It's going to be the longer yeah. distance, the marathon in particular, they're naturally suited for. Mm-hmm. Quite the contrary to what everybody felt. So the IOC voted this in um, with only one dissenting vote for the 1984 Olympic Games. And to me, that moment when Joan Benoit Samuelson came into the Olympic Stadium, yeah. you know, to, to the screams and cheers of 90,000 people was uh, one of the greatest moments in women's history, yeah, not yeah. just in women's history. Yes, mm-hmm. not not because of her performance, which was stellar, not because of the crowd, and not because of the attention. It was because it was broadcast to like two billion people. Yeah, so everybody around the world could see what yes. women's. Yeah.
0: Was about and were you not? And were you were you not you commentating were on that I
2: was. I yeah. was. I, was uh, uh, I had done commentary before, but it was my first big gig for the Olympic Games, and and really opened a new career in television broadcast. Yeah.
1: And how did how did you feel watching that? Did you just get that sense of? Were you, I would have been. I probably would have been
0: in tears. Yeah. I mean, honestly, well, I just, <laughs>
1: I just watched the clip this morning um, of a rerun and I and we were just ch- chatting about this. I have a vague recollection. Of the, the marathon yeah. and I was like, I was still young when it happened. Um But I have a vague recollection of it. But when I was watching the, like the rerun and are uh, coming through the tunnel and into the stadium and the place erupted, you know, US, it was in the US. It was a yeah. US athlete. It was the first woman winning the first marathon. I mean, it was just like, there were so many Firsts. First, I mean, it was just unbelievable, and I, like I was just sitting, tearing up, watching it. It was amazing. You must have felt so proud of, you know, being that first woman who who just started to push the boundaries and and getting yeah, it there. Yeah. Watching, watching, watching this happen.
2: Yes, I did. But you know, as a TV commentator, first of all. You know, mm-hmm. television is such such a mixed kind of bag. Um, you you have to stay very very calm and not uh, be sentimental, not be judgmental, not um, mm-hmm. uh, emotional. You got right. to
0: be it's, neutral, it's, especially in the Olympics. You got yeah. to rep- represent all countries. Yeah.
2: Well, and in fact, I was thrilled for Joan Benoit. I mean, I you know she was a friend and I loved her, mm-hmm. and she 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 ran one of the most uh, courageous races.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and, but I was absolutely convinced that Ingrid Christensen was probably going to win that race. But, uh, and, and so I gave equal time to everybody. I, mm-hmm. I, if, if, in fact, Greta Weitz had decided not to let Joan go and stay with her, it might have been a different ball game, mm-hmm. And everybody would have said, oh, Greta Weitz ran the greatest race in the world. But Joan grabbed the race by the throat and very courageously won. If she had spin crashed and burned, they'd say, oh, she went out too fast. Too bad. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. History is amazing, uh, and I think if you want to know the truth, on that day, I think Joan Benoit Samuelson was unbeatable. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've seen her in action for many years, and when Joni digs in, that she's... Yeah, she's not, just mm-hmm. going to do it. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> it I, can't, was, I Like I said, yes, I wouldn't be a good... I would be crying, so it would have yeah. been... I would have been not the right yeah. commentator, but, even, but it's good yeah, that you but were... not
1: even the fact that it was Joan that won it. The fact that you were watching a woman win an Olympic medal for
0: the marathon for the marathon that
1: mm-hmm. in itself it must have been unbelievable yeah it was it was really good
2: uh, yes so so that was a moment to me that was good it was cha- going to change women's history and in many many ways it did. and opened up the the the, really the floodgates for for women to run but more where people in isolated countries uh where women have no opportunities whatsoever Mm -hmm. realize that women could do the unimaginable so that was that was to me is the 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 little crack that pushed open the door kind of like when we saw in 2012 in in uh, london we saw the woman from saudi arabia run and Mm -hmm. um Everybody said, Well, she wasn't really a Saudi, she really lives in America. She don't, I, sorry, she was on the track, she that's was yeah, that's
1: who she was representing. And she ran,
2: and <laughs> I'm sorry, she pushed that doorway open. So, yeah, those are moments that are unforgettable, and um, we'll look back on those in a hundred years maybe not a hundred, somebody will and say, <laughs> Wow, you know, look at the progress
0: yeah Yeah. and and I think we can say look at the progress now I mean even you know since 1967 clearly things have come and come and keep coming yeah but even
1: just across the sports I mean there's so like there's still a long way to go granted but even now if you look at you know women's tennis all all the matches you have the men's match and the women's match like everything is televised and you know track and field pretty much equal men's and like it it's doesn't matter that it's men or women running they each you know are represented equally and they're televised and I think that's the that's the key is once you're getting equal tv time for all these sports now there's other sports that definitely don't and they have a ways to go to to get that equality but you know we're we're, it's moving along so so that's good you know
2: There are two things, um, uh, Angela, that I wanna uh, 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 bring up about that. That's all true, and that's wonderful.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but we we still have such a long ways to go. Let's say with like professional sports, okay? And that's such mm-hmm. a narrow part of our society, but right. yet it really um, it casts a, a a vision of other women around the world. So so what I what I despair at is women themselves not supporting professional sports. So yes. for instance you think nothing about in your family about buying a season football ticket or baseball ticket. Okay. For the t- professional team or the college team, that's the university team that may be in your area, but do they do that for the women's? And I said that to a couple of friends of mine, they said, what are we going to do about getting um, more uh, t- attendance at these games? I said, when was the last time you bought a ticket?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to go.
2: Were, oh my God. I didn't think about that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, go buy a ticket, show up. Right. Um, and, and, and I think the other thing is, is while we're looking at that, we also have to go, and this is, this is one thing I'm excited about with uh, my foundation, which is, is called 261 Fearless. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and we thought we, we were going to ask you about that. So perfect timing, bringing mm-hmm. it on up.
2: Because we really have to reach uh, women, girls and women um, who are afraid to take that first step. And not, not just a woman who is behind a burqa or in North Africa or something, but mm-hmm. she could be your next door neighbor. She needs to understand that she needs to get out there and move. And this is a p- good part of this podcast of, of aging and, and taking care of your health. You know, just simple movement is, is so empowering, but it is also so health-giving. And, and the woman in the family almost always dictates the health of the family. Mm-hmm. And she becomes a role model also for her kids a bad role model or a good role model mm-hmm. and when, when kids are growing up now we're into our second generation of kids growing up uh and set, see mommy run she's out there in the morning you know boom she's out there for 20 minutes a half an hour she comes in gets breakfast gets the kids off to school and then she goes to work um i mean that's incredible and it just fits into the family lifestyle these kids see that and they grow up saying hey yeah that's that's you know my that's mom. just
1: what they do yeah
2: it's just what they do and, and my mom demands her time equally but mm. a lot of women can't do that yet they mm-hmm, they just mm-hmm. they just need to be shown how so um, hopefully my foundation 261 fearless is making a major contribution to that it's named after that infamous bib number yeah, that-
0: yeah. and to that point you're at, you you ran the boston marathon again the in 2017 for the yeah. 50th anniversary at age 77 70
1: 70 yeah Yeah. and then they retired your
0: number yeah i know
1: yeah that's isn't that amazing that is so amazing
0: yeah they retired 261
2: i was was so honored with that but a couple of things happened first of all uh running 50 years later was the first woman to um to ever do that or to run a marathon Mm -hmm. 50 years after her first one now that's not a tribute to me what what it is is just showing you how few women ran 50 years ago (laughs) all right yeah Uh, and And, but what it also showed is that I was very, very grateful for my health anybody can get sick. Anybody can be in a car accident. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was very lucky to dodge a lot of bullets. Uh, I was also extremely lucky to have such support over these last few years of, of people really believing in, in me and, and then to come across that finish line on a pretty good time, actually like 20 minutes slower than I did, you know, in 1967. 19- yeah. <laughs> it was great. And i stopped 13 times and did eight interviews in 19, 19- 2017. Um, so, so the health is good uh, and it, it, that, that's the first thing that I thought of when I crossed the finish line. I am so grateful for my health, but also people, and I said, but everybody's gotta hear this message. I'm not obsessive about it. I mean, I think people think, oh, well she's a marathon runner, she's obsessive. I mean, I only run every other day. and mm-hmm. do some my core work at home. I don't belong to a gym, I stretch, that's it. Yeah, um, and I work my I work my buns off on everything else, and and I'm thinking if if any everybody could simply take every other day or every day a half an hour just go out for a walk or a jog, they're going to improve their health enormously. Another funny story: I crossed the finish line a few hours later. I was approached by um, Humana, you know, the very big health and wellness. Mm-hmm. company. They said, listen, this was spectacular. This is who we are. We would really love you to be a health ambassador for us on active aging. And I said, I'm not old. (laughs) (laughs) They they laughed. They said, well, you're 70. So you're definitely a senior. And I said, I guess I am. I thought I was 25. And they said, you know what, that's what we want to hear. Yeah. I mean, it's a joy to spend to to talk about this message now to so mm-hmm. many seniors and let them know. Hey, you know, I'm a normal person, but basically, I just go out and put one foot in front of the other yeah. every day.
1: And, and that's that's one of the things we say about moving. It you don't have to go out and run a marathon every day. It's just a matter of getting that's out right. and doing something. And it's right.
0: it's and it is absolutely backed by science. All mm-hmm. of the five daily actions that we advocate are backed by science, not only to increase longevity, but to improve overall happiness. And your health, overall health. And exactly. Yeah. And, and moving is one of those things that, that, and I can just, you know, your disposition is something that is radiant. It, it's, it shows that you are a very happy and optimistic and positive ager. And that is something that also comes about from moving. You know, Mm -hmm. that there is a, I'm sure that you, and and whether it's the the endorphins or runner's high, whatever you want to call it, there is science that backs up that getting out and moving every day does things for you mentally just as well as physically. Mm -hmm.
2: The stats are just incredible. You're absolutely right. And for me, my running has been my go-to thing in terms of busting stress, getting better sleep, getting through divorce the death of my parents, you know, loss of a job, whatever. All those things running has gotten me through because you work it out. Um, and also it's been my creative source. You know, if I'm, if I'm having a tough time with an article or a opening for a, a TV show, if I can't get that open. I just go out there and run. It comes in 10 minutes. You just, it, yeah. the, the brain works in that way.
1: We actually See? spoke about this in another podcast where they did a study of people and they had to write things down and they sent one group out for a walk, and then when they came back in, the group who came out who had gone for a walk had so much more written down than the group who hadn't, and they simply had gone for a walk. And You know, so again, it's just that it just opens your mouth and kind of gets the juices going.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's just it it gives you a sense of, um, as we said earlier, optimism. Like Mm -hmm. you said oh, gosh, I'll never get this done, or I, well, that's a really bad thing happened to me. It gives you hope. Okay, that's a great feeling. It's, it's really great. The science also is great in terms of runners. There's an incredible study uh, started by the great gerontologist Wally Bortz at Stanford University and carried on now by his colleagues, um, where they track these uh, uh, faculty people who ran against those who were sedentary. Mm -hmm. And the average lifespan was seven years longer for those who ran. But the mental attitude was 14 years younger. Yeah. So uh, it's that that sense of can-do optimism. Mm -hmm. And as Wally pointed out, he's a so great guy. He has one of the greatest quotes. He said, as we age, the most important organ in our bodies is not our heart or our brains, but our legs, because if we can keep moving, we get, keep our, our balance. We, we, we have less falls because that's a huge source of old age death. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we keep the blood circulating and the oxygen in the brain. He said, that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I just, I just love him for saying that. I just, yeah. he's, and so it's, it's spot
0: on. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more. You, the, you mentioned it. I just want to make sure that people can find it and learn more about it because I think that a lot of women, no matter what age they are, are still looking for opportunities for encouragement and to find, uh, you know, an activity like yeah. running and a support and, and system. A support system. Mm-hmm. Sure. So 261 Fearless. Yes.
2: 261 Fearless is an educational communication and a club network of women around the world where we show you how to take the first step and to, to run, even if, you've, even if you're a marathoner. It is not competitive. It's, it's social running, walking of women coming together. And it's non-judgmental. I think that's the biggest thing. Where you, for one hour a week, get away from all the stuff in your life and go out, and meet your mates, um, and 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 move together. Mm-hmm. And you share that dynamic. It's it sounds so simple, but it's very true. But the coaches themselves are trained in how to create a non-judgmental group and also how to move properly. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not like, you know, brain surgery, but we do want people to be trained properly. Basically, we want you to run the rest of your life healthily and safely. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to find this community. And so, you know, this isn't for you if you want to be a competitive marathon runner or make the Olympic team. This is for you if you are looking for a network of women. More importantly, there are women like you guys and me who who want to pay back, who who have gained so much from this experience, we want to show somebody else how to do it. Mm -hmm. And we currently have a campaign um, and on, and you can find more about it on our website, which is two six one fearless.org two six one fearless.org. Perfect. And it's called tell her she can. Mm -hmm. It is so simple. Tell her she can do that and show her how.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
2: We'd love to have you create a club and network and join the network. Mm-hmm. We're we're in amazing places also. We've just added Democratic Republic of Congo. We have Albania, and we also have uh, some Syrian refugee women in um, Vienna, Austria, as well as just wonderful little clubs in Boston and Washington, D.C., and Chicago of ordinary women like us.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, well, we will definitely link that in our show notes as well, mm-hmm. the 261 Fearless. We'll definitely link your main website, which is just – Katherine Switzer.com, am I right? Or or, or, or marathonwoman.com. Or marathonwoman.com. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where people can find your books, Marathon Woman, Running and Walking for Women Over 40, which is a great ebook. I'm mm-hmm. sure other people will be could, could definitely get some information out of that. And then your nonprofit, 261fearless.com. Mm-hmm. I mean .org, sorry. dot org, sorry.org. Org. Got it. Yeah. Yep. We just cannot. I mean, what a what a fantastic story. What a fantastic uh, example. Like I said, whether I'm looking backwards at the things you've accomplished historically or just the, the bright shining spot you are today, yeah. uh, it's really just awesome. It's super fun. So much fun to talk to you. So much fun to learn more about your story. And really, it, it's very inspirational. Yeah. So well, thank
2: you, Molly. And thank you, Angela. I've enjoyed being here so much with you. And just final word for everybody out there, keep moving.
0: Please keep moving. Yes. Catherine, have a great day. Appreciate it so much.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Catherine. Guys, good luck with the show.
0: Take care.
1: Thanks for listening to the Live Happier Longer
0: podcast. Now it's time to move, learn, share, give, and let go. Five daily actions to make the rest of your life the best of your life. See you next week.
1: So just a quick word before you go, if you haven't already clicked that subscribe button on our podcast, we would love you to do that. And we would also appreciate any feedback you have for us. Positive ones would be Excellent. more appreciated. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll take anything you have to say. And for a free copy of the 5 for Life Planner, head to 5 and download your free PDF today.